If you brought a Bible, go please to the Gospel according to John, John's Gospel, chapter 4 of the Gospel of John, and we're going to begin reading at verse 3, John chapter 4 and verse 3 this morning. We began last week a sermon series in preparation for our Christmas celebration entitled The Gift, and this morning I want to continue to... Uh, unpack this precious gift that you and I have been given uh, from God. We find today our text, John chapter 4 and verse 3, He left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. And he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Father, I thank you this morning for the precious water of the Spirit that you have made available to all of us. We thank you for the gift of Jesus the gift of the Word, the gift of the Spirit. And today I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the Word of the living God, that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the Word and receive it with gladness of heart. Now I ask these things in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I asked you last week, I want to ask you again, how many of you like to receive gifts? Every, everybody in here, I think, likes to receive gifts. We're talking about the gift. There is a gift that is greater than all gifts. And I'll tell you now that this Christmas, if, if you're looking for a gift that can satisfy, that can meet your need, you're not going to find it under a Christmas tree. You're going to find it in Jesus. Jesus is what all men and all women are seeking. They may not know it. But it is what the human heart craves for. He is what the human, the human heart longs for and needs the most. This week we come to a little village in the Bible called Sychar. It is in the region of Samaria. And I have to tell you a little bit about the background of Samaria. Because uh, it is a place like we mentioned last week that has been rejected. Last week we talked about how Jericho was a place that was under a curse and had been rejected. And so Samaria was a place that had been rejected by the Jews. Several hundred years before Christ, the Jewish people were taken as exiles and prisoners into Babylon. And while uh, a great number of them were taken into Babylon, not all of them were. And some of them stayed back in Judea. And they began to intermingle with other pagan cultures before long, they had uh, married into and begun to adopt the customs and practices of some of the other religious and racial groups that were in the land. And they became a mixed race. 
And when the, when the Jews came home, as God had promised, they came home and they began to rebuild the temple at Jerusalem. And while they were building the temple at Jerusalem, the, uh, the, the Samaritans, as they came to be called, this mixed race of people, they came to offer their assistance, their help. And the Jews told them, no, you can't help us. You are a mixed race, you're a polluted people, and we don't want you to lay a hand on the temple. We don't want any of your help. We don't need you. And this created a friction, they created a problem between these two groups of people that would endure until the time of Christ. It was so bad that the Jews, if they had to travel from the southern part of the nation of Israel to the northern part, in order to avoid having to travel through Samaria, would cross the Jordan, go into Decapolis, and come over the top in, in a, a much longer detour, as it were, in order to avoid having to deal with Samaritans. This is how bad and how uh, tense the situation was between these two groups of people. But I read something this morning that encourages me because I read that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through the place that had been rejected by men. And can I tell you that there is uh, a, a similarity between Samaria and us because the fact is that many of us have been rejected or pushed aside by life and by the world. And, and the fact is that all of us should be rejected by God because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I'm encouraged this morning that although those facts are standing, that there is another fact above that, and that is that God loves sinners and that God comes to sinners. That God comes to broken places and rejected peoples. I read in the text that Jesus had to go through Samaria. You wonder why did he have to go there? What Was it that he was in a hurry? Was it that there was no way to take a shortcut? Was it that the detour was closed? I'll tell you, friend, the reason that he had to go through Samaria was because there was a woman there whose heart was crying out for help. There was a life there that needed to be touched by the hand of God. Aren't you glad today that Jesus just had to come to your house? That Jesus just had to come to your heart? Come on, somebody. You were out of his way. You weren't even on the agenda, but Jesus had to come to your life. He had to come to my life. And what a difference he made. What a joy to know that he had to come to me. He had to come to you. There was a, a love that, of God that compelled him, that drew him to Samaria. Now, there's another detail in the text that is important for us to note, and that is that when he got into Samaria, when he got into Sychar, outside of this village, I should say, he got outside of the village, and the Bible said that he was wearied from his journey, and he sat down by a well to rest. Now, this is important because it tells us something about Jesus. You see, Jesus is the Son of God. The Son of God is the second person of the Godhead. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the second person of the Godhead made flesh. But although he was God, he was also man. He was fully God and fully man, 100% God, but also 100% man. 
What does that mean? Preacher, that means that you and I today, we have a God who can sympathize with us. We have, the Bible says, a great high priest who is able to feel the feeling of our infirmity. You see, our God is not a distant deity who doesn't know what it's like to be you. In fact, our God became man. And so today, when, he's, when you call upon him, you're calling upon someone who knows what you're going through, who knows what life on earth is like. Can I tell you that Jesus had to bury loved ones just like we have to bury loved ones. Jesus had to suffer rejection just as you and I have suffered rejection at times. Jesus knew what it was like to be embraced by a friend just as you and I have known the embrace of a friend or a loved one. Jesus knew what it was like to pay taxes just like you and I have to pay taxes. He knows what it's like to be a man. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows the, the difficulties of humanity. He was, he was hungry and had to eat. He was thirsty and had to drink, just like you and I. If you cut him, he bled. This ought to encourage you this morning. Because when you call upon God, you're calling upon a God who knows and understands. It, it's one thing to have a God who knows, but it's quite another to know that we have a God who understands. And he has sympathized with us. He has come to be like us in order that he might die for us. And that really is the great reason why he had to come and become a man. Because you see, an angel couldn't die for you. Lambs and goats and bullocks couldn't die for you. It had to be a man that died for you. The problem was there was no man who could give a sinless life. In our stead, there was no man whose life and whose blood would be unstained by sin. And so Jesus became a man that by offering his life, his life would be unstained by the sin of Adam. His life unstained by the iniquity of man. And so his offering on the cross would be a perfect offering. His offering on the cross would be the gracious gift of salvation toward mankind. You and I have not been redeemed by just any man. We have been redeemed by a sinless Savior. A perfect Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. But there's another detail here. The Bible said he's weary because he's a man. He's human. He sits down. And while he's sitting, there's a couple things that we do when we're sitting. One is we're resting or we're waiting. Have you ever had to sit in a waiting room? Aren't you glad they have chairs in waiting rooms? Well, Jesus is sitting and he's waiting. I don't know if you, if you know this or not, or you have thought about this or not, but just think about it for a moment, that Jesus is waiting on someone. And when you have read the Gospel of John, you realize that he's waiting on a woman who's about to come onto the scene. He's waiting for her because he has a plan for her. He has a gift for her. And I just want to tell you this morning that God is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to make a decision to follow him. He's waiting for you to make a decision to honor him and to obey him. He's waiting on you. A lot of people say, well, I'm waiting on God. I beg to differ this morning. I think God might be waiting on you. And what a joy it is for me to think that the God of heaven, the Lord of glory, 
he takes time to wait on a simple woman like he's about to do in this text. He, he waits for her because he loves her. Can I tell you, friend, that some of you God has been waiting on a long time. He has been patient with you. And every opportunity that you have heard his voice, you turned him away. You said, no, God, I don't need you. No, God, I don't want you. No, God, I don't have time for you. But can I tell you today, he is calling out to you. He's telling you this is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day to decide, to say yes to Christ. How long will you make him wait? In fact, I have to tell you that he won't wait forever. The day will come when the door will close. The day will come when either by death or other circumstances, your opportunity will come to its end. And so don't wait too long, friend. Say yes to Christ today. I have traveled on six of, uh, of the seven continents around the world. I have, I have met with people and led people to Christ from all walks of life. As a missionary, I, I stood and preached in, in many places, and I heard the same thing over and over again. I heard people say, Brother Isaac, I wish that I had started serving the Lord sooner. I wish that I had started to serve God sooner. Can I tell you, friend, don't be just one more of those statistics. Don't say, I wish that I had served the Lord sooner. Don't say, I wish that I had given him my youth. Young man, give him your life today. Don't say, I wish I had given him my, my strength. Give him your strength today. Don't say, I wish I had given him my time. Give him your time today. Today is the day of decision. He's waiting on this woman. He's waiting because he loves her. He's waiting because she needs him. Oh, she doesn't even know he's waiting. She doesn't even know that she needs him. She doesn't even know that he's there. Just like you and I were one day when we had no consciousness of God, no awareness of the faith. We had no idea about the Bible, nothing to do with church. We weren't singing hymns. We weren't quoting verses. But Jesus was waiting on you, wasn't he? Jesus was working on you, wasn't he? He was showing you his love and his grace. Come on, somebody. you got to remember that he found you when you weren't even looking for him. You didn't even know that you needed him. There he was. Now the Bible tells us at about noon, this woman comes out to the well to draw water. Now this is interesting because in that day, in that culture, women were the, were the ones who gathered the water. Sorry, ladies, that's just the way it was. The back-breaking work of drawing water from a well and taking it back to the house was relegated to the ladies. And, and the ladies, you know, like all ladies, they're very smart. And so the ladies would go out and draw water in the morning or in the evening, but never in the heat of the day. If you're going to draw water, you go when it's cool in the morning or cool in the evening, but not in the hottest part of the day. But this woman, she goes out to draw water at noon. The hottest time of day. You've got to ask yourself, why would she do that? And the fact is that she's going out to the well to draw water in the heat of the day because she's going at a time when she knows no one else will be there. She wants to be left alone. She doesn't want anybody to talk to her. And, and because she has a bad past, she doesn't want to hear the whispers of the women saying, that's the woman that took Susie's husband. That's the woman 
that broke my marriage. So she goes when she thinks no one will be at the well. She goes when she can be left alone. She goes because she doesn't want her shame exposed yet again. She goes because she doesn't want people to see that she is broken and that she is fractured and that she is in need of mercy. And friend, I'm here today to tell you that while she goes out to that well at a time when it seemed like no one would be there, at a time when she was trying to avoid any company, there's a man there waiting for her. I, I don't know if you know this, but God will show up at the least comfortable moments of your life. Come on, God will show up when your living room isn't straight. God will show up when your house isn't clean. God will show up at the moment we say, Lord, I'm not ready for company. But aren't you glad that he shows up right when you need him? Right when your heart is crying out for him? She comes to the well and she thinks, oh my goodness, there's a man at the well. I don't want to see anybody, least of all a man. And not only is he a man, but he's a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan. Last guy in the world I want to see is a Jew. They're self-righteous. They think they're better than us. They think that, that we're a polluted race. They think we don't qualify to go to the temple and worship. I don't want to see this man. I don't want to talk to this man. And so she's probably just trying to keep to herself. And, and she's drawing water. And Jesus speaks up and he says to her, give me a drink. Now, immediately she puts up her front and she says, Sir, you don't have a jar uh, to draw water with, and the well is very deep. How do you want me to give you a drink? And this conversation ensues, and the woman is putting up this, this front, like, I don't need you to talk to me, and, and I'm not going to help you out, and we're not going to be friends, all right? So just leave me alone. And then Jesus says to her, Go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right about that because you've had five husbands and the guy you're with is not your husband. Say what? He started reading her mail. Can I tell you, God's got your number. You can put up a front. You can look, look good. I know this morning we all came in here with our front on. You're wearing your, your nice clothes and, and you combed your hair real nice and you did your hair and, and, and you made sure you looked good so you could come to church and worship God. And just in case somebody noticed you, you would be looking fine. But let me tell you that there is a God that knows what you look like in pajamas. There's a God that knows what you look like when your hair isn't done. Come on, somebody. There's a God who knows you. Come on, you, you, you and I, we have this nature about us. We go on social media and on Facebook and, uh, and Instagram and Snapchat, and people post their good pictures. Come on, don't laugh. You know I'm telling the truth. You post your good pictures, the one that make you look slim, the one with 7,000 filters, that, that picture that makes you look good. I was taking a group picture with the family one day, and they had the camera so high up, I thought they were taking it from a, from a, a spaceship. I said, what are y'all doing? They said, Pastor, that's going to make us look slim. I said, well, take that picture. Come on, take that picture. I want to look good. Come on. This is what she's doing. She said, I don't have a husband. But Jesus says, lady, I know who you are. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus looks behind the front. Jesus looks behind the mask. He knows. He knows who you are. 
He's the God who sees. And the God who knows. You see, she's in pain. She's hurting. Life has hurt her. I doubt when she started out in life, she married her first husband. I doubt that she was thinking to herself, I'm going to fail at this marriage. And then I'm going to get another one and fail at that one. I believe she was probably thinking, I'm going to succeed. This man is going to make me happy. We're going to go all the way. This is going to be a success. It's going to be a triumph. But the first marriage failed. And then she thought, all right, uh, second time will work out better. And the second marriage failed. And then she thought, all right, third time's a charm. And the third marriage failed. And on and on, five marriages. And now she's in a situation. And there is no filling. For the soul. She's hurting because life hurts sometimes. And we make mistakes and we make errors and we sin against God. And we come and we come and we make decisions that at times bring consequences into our life that bring pain. And sometimes other people make decisions that have brought pain into our life. And most people handle pain in three ways. Some people medicate their pain. That means they get, they get some substance to try to, to medicate the pain of their soul. They get involved in alcohol or drugs or sex or, or gambling. Something that can medicate the soul. Can I tell you, friend, that when you have tried all of that, you'll still find that your soul is thirsty. Say amen, somebody. Some of you were medicating when Jesus found you. You are medicating the grief of your soul when Jesus found you. Some of you are medicating this morning. You say, Pastor, nobody knows. God knows. You say, Pastor, nobody knows what I'm doing behind the scenes. Can I tell you, friend, God knows and God cares. And God loves you too much to leave you there. He's come this morning to deliver you. Come on, I said he's come this morning to deliver you. He wants you to be free. Some people... Don't medicate their pain, they motivate their pain. And these we call workaholics. Generally, they get busy with work or hobbies or sports, anything that will distract them from the pain of life. Anything that will keep them from thinking about the, fa the failures and the setbacks, the error and the sin in their life. And then there's another group, these are the quiet ones, that they meditate their pain. They just chew on it. They just think about They don't say much. They don't argue with you. They don't yell. They don't scream. But they're like a boiling pot of water. Sooner or later, it's going to come out. And friend, if you're meditating on pain, it becomes bitterness to your soul. It starts rotting you from the inside unforgiveness and, and, and uh, the feeling of being a victim and the feeling of being unworthy start to develop in the life of people who are meditating on their pain because they're trying to heal the hurts of the hearts. And the fact is this, I've got to be honest with you this morning, that hurt people hurt people. You think, uh, you think my, my medicating of my pain, my motivating of my pain, my meditating on my pain isn't hurting anybody. Yes, it is, friend. Your addiction is hurting the people in your family. Your workaholism, your, your distractions are hurting the people that you are neglecting in your life. 
Your, uh, your feelings of being a victim or hurting the people around you. And I've come today to tell you that there is a God who can heal the pain that is in your heart. There is a God who can heal the pain that is in your life. Jesus didn't just come to medicate your pain. He came to heal the pain of the soul. He came to make you free. I need some agreement in the house this morning. I said Jesus came to make you free. He came to heal the hurt of the soul. He's got her attention now because he's speaking to her out of her own life. He says, you have five husbands and the one you're with is not your husband. He says, woman, if you knew the gift of God. He said, lady, if you only knew that God has a gift for you today. And I'm here today to tell you that there is a gift that God has for you. And if you only knew the gift of God. If you only knew that there is a gift which God has prepared for your, for your heart, for your life today. And this gift, listen friend, this gift is exactly what it is. It's a gift. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. You cannot merit it. You might think, well, if I work hard enough and if I, if I give enough money to the church and if I help enough old ladies cross the street and if I do enough charitable works and if I help enough homeless people that I can earn the freedom that my soul needs, that I can get this gift from God. No, friend, you can't earn it on your best day. You can't earn it. It is a free gift. It must be received by faith. It must be received by faith. This gift has been given to you by God at great cost because the cost of this gift was the life of God's only son. The Bible said that for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't sell. He didn't barter. He didn't trade. He gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Did you hear that word, whoever? That means anybody. Rich and poor, a good and bad sinner and religious, all of us are, are in need of a Savior and all of us can have this gift. Whosoever will, let him come. Jesus said, if any man thirst, any man. Doesn't matter what kind of education you have or don't have. Doesn't matter what kind of religious background you have or don't have. You need Jesus. And Jesus says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Can I tell you today, there is a fountain flowing. There is a river of mercy that is flowing from the heart of God toward all mankind. And if you will drink of the water of the Spirit, if you will drink of the water of life, if you will receive the gift of God, you can have the peace and the joy that your soul longs for and desires if you only knew the gift of God. If you only knew that this, this one that I'm talking about is the most important thing that anyone can know. It doesn't matter if you don't know arithmetic or science or philosophy or politics. If you know Jesus, you know all that you need to know. He is the beginning of wisdom. He is the beginning of knowledge. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what you know. you got to know Jesus. You've got to know him. Everything else, everything else comes on as an added bonus. But if you don't know Jesus, you don't know anything. 
You say, but pastor, I have a Ph.D. Friend, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know anything. But I, but I have a big, a big job and a big position. Friend, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know anything. Jesus is the beginning of life. Jesus is freedom. Jesus is joy. Jesus is peace for the soul. And Jesus stands ready to receive you. You see, what we have here is a Savior who is willing and waiting for you. He says, woman, if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked of me. And I would have given you living water. He's saying, lady, you've been trying to satisfy the thirst of your soul with the water from Jacob's well and with the men in your life and with the things that you have accumulated. But none of those things have satisfied you because the only thing that can satisfy you is the water of life. The only one that can satisfy the soul is the water of life. And I want to just talk to you for a moment real quick this, eve this morning. If you are in a dry place, you need the water of life. Because this woman was in a dry place and dry places are dangerous. Dry places are dangerous because the Bible said that evil spirits look for dry places. They look for, for hearts that are dry and that are, that are desolate so they can come and, and take possession and wreak havoc. Can I tell you, friend, that Jesus wants to cure the drought, the drought of the soul. He wants to cure the drought of your heart. And if you will come to him and drink and just receive by faith the gift of God that you can have the nourishing water of the spirit, that water that encourages, revives, and strengthens the life of man. Friend, there is one today who sits waiting for you. He is calling you. He loves you because he knows you. And although he knows you, he loves you. Oh my, what a joy it is to my heart to know that God knows me and yet he loves me. He knows me and yet he's waiting for me. He knows me and yet he has drawn me to himself. And he's drawing you to himself this morning. He's saying, I have the water that your spirit is craving. What your heart needs is not another boyfriend. It's not another girl. It's not another man. Not another woman. Not another job. Not another raise. Not another bonus. What your heart needs is not another fix. It's not another bottle. It's not another hotel room with some illicit relationship. What your heart needs is Jesus. It's Jesus. You say, preacher, that sounds too simple. It sounds too easy. It's just religion that complicates things. Jesus said, woman, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me. And I would have given you living water. Because if you, if you drink the water of this well, you're going to thirst again. If you drink the water... Of Jacob's well, you're going to have to come back tomorrow and get some more. That's why the things of this world are never enough. Because you've got to come back tomorrow and get some more. But there is a well that God wants to put on the inside of you. It's the well of the Spirit. It fills your life with God's presence and God's power. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers. 
rivers of living water. What are you telling me, preacher? I'm telling you that when you get Jesus, you get the well. I said, when you get Jesus, you get the well. The well comes to live on the inside of you. I said, the well comes to live on the inside of you. And the spirit of life is with you every, every day for every moment. Today, he says, come. Come and drink. For if you will drink, you will live. The gift of God is a mercy that you didn't even know you needed. The gift of God is a savior that you didn't even know was available. The gift of God is a drink of fresh water for the weary soul. Will you have him today? Will you take what God offers? Would you stand with me this morning? Let's stand together. Right where you are, just bow your head for a moment. And just start telling God what you need. Tell him what your heart needs. He already knows. But let him hear it from your heart. Tell him, Lord, I need reviving in my spirit. I'm thirsty. My spirit is thirsty. I need what only you can give. I want to make an invitation to the whole body of Christ this morning. If you say, Pastor, I want to drink from the well. I need a touch of God in my life. I need the reviving of the spirit in my life. I want to just ask you to leave your pew and come into this altar as a step of faith and just say, God, I want to, I want to be filled. I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. I can't do this alone. Come on. Out of every part of this, every section of this sanctuary, make your, own, make your way to this altar and just say, Lord, come and fill me. Come and renew me. Come and give me what my soul is longing for. You don't even exactly know what it is sometimes, but God knows. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the medicine. Jesus is the cure that your heart needs. Come on, just come and be honest with him. Just tell him, Lord, I need you this morning. I've got to have you this morning. Come on, just out of your, out of your heart, start talking to God. I know it may be awkward. It may seem like everyone can hear you. Doesn't, doesn't matter. No one else is going to hear you. It's just God who wants to hear your heart this morning. That cries out to Him. Because you see, He says, no one who comes to me will I in any wise turn away. He says, if you come to me, I will give you a drink. And you'll live. Come on all over this room. Just lift up a voice of prayer before God. Almighty God. You are the great quencher of the soul of man. Today we come. Because there are some dry places in our hearts. There are some dry places in our families. Would you fill us? Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you pour your spirit on me, Lord?
the sea. Come on. Living waters cover me. With every single being. All you are is all I'll ever need. I love you. I love you. Come on, just drink, drink of that well of the spirit this morning almighty god we praise you my soul longs for you jesus yes lord yes lord yes lord yes lord
get higher. I want to make one invitation, one last invitation this morning. I just invited in general all the body of Christ. But if this morning you say, Pastor, I know God's been calling me. I know that God has been drawing me to himself. I know that Jesus has been calling me to serve him and to receive him into my heart as my Savior. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Christ. If you say, Pastor, I want to know the gift of God. I want to be saved. I want to know that my soul is right with God. I want to have the peace that only comes with being a child of God. If you've never done that, you've never given your heart to Jesus this morning, can I tell you the Bible said that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. It guarantees your soul salvation. Today that gift is available to you. If you say, Pastor Isaac, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ this morning. Would you just raise your hand right where you are if that's you? Anybody out there? I pray everyone in this room has already done that, but if you haven't, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want to make this invitation to you. Don't, don't miss out on what God has given. This morning, He calls you. You say, that gift is for me. If you will receive Him today, He'll receive you. He'll give you eternal life. Amen. If you raise your hand, would you just come to this altar real quick? I'm going to ask the elder, some of the elders to pray with you. Is there anybody this morning? Come on up, young man. Anybody else? It says, yes to Christ. It's, today is a day of decision. Today is a day of decision. Come on, will you say yes to him? Will you say yes to Jesus? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't say maybe later. Today, if you hear his voice, say yes to Christ. Elders, would you pray with them, please? Just lead them in the sinner's prayer. Anybody else that needs to come? As we sing for a moment more, let's just lift him up. Lives are being changed this morning. Lives are being changed this morning. Come on, it can be your life. If you need him today, he's waiting.